The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Hello and welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter. I'll give you a quick guess. Guess what? I'll be your host for today. I'm a spiritual journeyman and a media consultant. I run a website with online courses called youthrivehere.com, and I'm at the Center for Spiritual Living Greater Baltimore at cslgreaterbaltimore.org. Joining me today is my spectacular co-host, Spiritual Rebel Sarah Bowen. Sarah is the author of Spiritual Rebel, a positively addictive guide to finding deeper perspective and a higher and higher purpose, and she's got a new one coming out soon. I want to ask you, are you feeling mindful today, Sarah? That's an interesting question. Um, I am feeling curious and a desire to be mindful. It's been a busy morning, so that's a good reminder. I'm with you. I could use a dose of mindfulness and, uh, you know, clarifying a little bit more in that regard. It's been an interesting morning for me, too. So this is the perfect topic for us today. It is. I think that a lot of times we think that our spiritual practices need to be perfect. Uh, they need to be disciplined. They need to be regular. They, you know, there's all these kind of pressure we put on what they're supposed to look like. And I think today's guest is going to shake that up a little bit for us in terms of how can you be mindful when there's a lot going on? And you know, I don't know that I can complain. I have a lot going on when I look at uh, how much she's got going on in her house. She has seven kids. Seven kids. Seven kids. That's a lot of kids. I can't even comprehend seven kids. So I am very, very curious to hear <laughs> about how you are mindful around seven kids. And then maybe I can be mindful, uh, improve my mindfulness around the things in my life. Well, Josephine, hopefully is going to be able to do that for us. I know she will. I know she will. Seven kids, Jim. Seven kids. I have one and I'm and mindfulness as a practice. I still need to continue. It is. It I, you know, is. I do wonder, I do wonder if perhaps having a whole bunch of, I don't know, you know what, we'll find out with Josephine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have a quote for us today? I do. Here we go. Do not think that love in order to be genuine has to be extraordinary. How does a lamp burn? Through the continuous input of small drops of oil. What are the drops of oil in our lamps? They are the small things of daily life. Faithfulness, small words of kindness, a thought for others, our way of looking, of speaking, of acting. Be faithful in small things because it is in them that your strength lies. Mother Teresa. 
Mother Teresa, wonderful. I did a little pun on motherhood today, but I think those that's really wise words in terms of, you know, I wake up sometimes thinking the day has to be big. Yes. Something amazing has to happen. And sometimes the amazing is in the very, very small little things that happen. Absolutely. What did you come up with today? Here's mine. You are one thing only. You are a divine being, an all-powerful creator. You are a deity in jeans and a t-shirt. And within you dwells the infinite wisdom of the ages and the sacred creative force of all that is, will be, and ever was. A deity in jeans and a t-shirt. Isn't that cool? I love that. Who is it? A gentleman named Anton St. Martin. I'm not really familiar with him. Uh, he's a psychic medium, but I saw the quote and I thought, that's a really good quote. So I thought I'd quote him. All right. Are you ready to get into the episode? Let's do it. Hi, friends. It's Martha Creek. I'm reading from a book of poetry called Susceptible to Light by Chellen Harkin, C-H-E-L-A-N, Harkin, H-A-R-K-I-N. You may contact me, MarthaCreek.com. There's free podcasts and videos and all kinds of support there, too. The poem today is Try Human. Try Human. Forget perfection. Go for messy. Learning. Tender. Whole. Forget perfection. Forget perfection. Forget perfection, forget perfection, forget perfection. Go for messy, learning, tender, and whole. Forget brand new. Embrace cracked, broken, open, worn, rich with story. Forget polished, choose rusted, textured, nuanced, and real. Please cease this intimidating flawlessness and become generous in sharing your sacred wound. Forget divine. Try human. MarthaCreek.com to contact me. Infinite blessings as we stop trying. Divine it is. Hello, everybody. My name is Edward Biagiotti. I'm co-host of Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed. On Unity Online Radio, it is always a pleasure to be with you here on Big Universe. I love whenever Jim reaches out to me. He always gives me a lot of open space to share what I'm inspired to share. And today he mentioned mindfulness and parenting as one of the topics. And being a parent myself, this really hits home. I also am an educator. I teach in the, in the field of special education. Um, I've been doing it for 24 years. My son is almost 19. He just started his first year at UC Berkeley. So I have a lot of experience in the area of parenting and bringing mindfulness to parenting. My own son, as well as all the hundreds or thousands of kids that I've worked with over my career. And I really like the idea that Daryl and I put forth on our show this past week, which is the title of the show is Make Your Own Headlines. And what that means is we have the ability through affirmative prayer, through denials, as they say, in unity, um, to choose the thoughts that are in our head. 
It's such a simple concept, but it is so effective because if you're going to use mindfulness in parenting, you're going to come up against, or seemingly against, you're going to be faced with countless headlines, both in the media around you, maybe in your family, in your or in your family history, or from your friends, where they're, they have certain ideas about how you should parent. You have certain ideas about what you think they're thinking about you as a parent. I had so many of these things. And why this is difficult is because it, dis, it detracts from our intuitive knowing regarding the best way to parent our child. It also disconnects us. Those imaginary, imagined or seemingly real negative headlines about the way we should do things also has the potential to disconnect us from the authentic relationship we have with the child, the, with the person who's right in front of us. This applies to every relationship, really. When we have guarded thoughts, doubtful thoughts, overly cautious thoughts, these kind of thoughts cut us off from our divine supply, which is ever abundant always leaning towards greater expressions of health, greater depth of loving in our relationships, greater prosperity in all of our endeavors. And what happens is like, you know, in, in, in some religions, they would call it the devil starts whispering in our ear. Oh, you better not do that. That's not safe. You know, it's like a trickster trying to get us off of the trail. That's the, I've mentioned it before, but that's where the word panic came from. It comes from the Greek mythology, pan. Pan would go ahead of travelers on their trail when they were traveling to a distant city and would rattle the bushes ahead of them to make them think that there was something dangerous on the road ahead to trick them into turning back. And that's what our old, outdated thoughts, our old limiting beliefs, our fears are trying to trick us into turning back because they're afraid that, that it's not safe to go forward. But the truth is we can make our own headlines. I did it again. Uh, I, in my case, I, 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 on my way to work this week, I was saying, Ed did it again. He, he did his morning routine, which is meditation and affirmation and inspired reading. He is, once again, Ed is being highly effective at his job. Everyone at Ed's job loves him. So you can use these type of inspired headlines. Go ahead and make your own headlines. You're going to love the way you look and the way you feel. It's always a pleasure to be with you on Big Universe. And remember, Daryl and Ed love you. And now it's time for our interview. Josephine Lurie is an expert in meditation and mindfulness, helping thousands of people overcome adversity to find joy. Her experience creating her modern-day family of seven children via in vitro fertilization, international adoption, and surrogacy inspires her work as a highly sought-after fertility and parenting mindfulness coach. Josephine hosts a popular podcast, Responding to Life, Talking Health, Fertility, and Parenthood. Her work has been featured in Motherly, Mind Body Green, The Bump, Prevention Magazine, and Woman's Day. Josephine offers private sessions and online mindfulness courses at, at jatlurie.com for daily inspiration. Josephine offers private sessions and online mindfulness courses at jatlurie.com for daily inspiration. Follow her on Instagram at Joseph. I'm having difficulty for some reason. You've got Here we a go. A lot again. of words in your mouth today, Jim. I do. My tongue is not cooperating. Okay. Josephine offers private sessions and online mindfulness courses at jadlurie.com. For a daily inspiration, follow her on Instagram and on YouTube for free meditation videos. And she has a new book out 
the Mindful Parenting Journal. Hi, Josephine. Welcome to Big Universe. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for our conversation today. It's so great to have you. Well, you know, the first thing I have to say is seven kids. That's a lot of kids. <laughs> yeah, we lose count sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't lose count because I have one. So I'm pretty, uh -huh. I'm pretty clear on the math there. If you lose count, we'd really have to talk about mindful parenting, Jim. We, we would definitely. <laughs> Seriously. We would definitely have to talk about that. But we're going to talk about it anyway. So, Josephine, why did you decide to write this book? Yes, great question. I, you know, I am always asked by my clients, by um, other people, how I'm able to stay so calm um, with them all the children and all the chaos that surrounds me on a daily basis. And I thought, you know what, let me just put all this in a book. And so that's how, that's how the book came about. And, you know, I, I jokingly say it's because of my kiddos that I turned into mindfulness and meditation. I never thought I was the person that would be able to do it. Type A, constant post-its and lists. And my mind is just racing with all the things that we have to do. But uh, I had a friend who kept pushing me to do it. And, you know, long story short, I, I fell in love. I had to level it up by taking a training course with no intention of teaching. Um, but once that was done, I knew I had to share it with everyone. So I started teaching. I started my own podcasts. I started courses. And then that's how the book happened next. Wow. So what does mindfulness mean to you? What does that word mean to you? Yeah, it, you know, people throw that word around a lot, and I like to simplify it. So it's basically just an awareness. And you think about an awareness for oneself. So an awareness of how you're feeling today, your body, how your emotions, your mental health is feeling, and then you extend it out into your environment. So how um, being aware of what's happening around you, and then being aware of your how other people that you're interacting with are also feeling. And when you have mindfulness or awareness as a foundation for everything, it touches upon every part of your life. So you can imagine that, of course, you know, obviously with the book, it touches upon parenting, but it can also touch upon your work relationships, how you eat, how you exercise, how you sleep, because it basically is just being aware of what you're doing in those different parts of your life. One of the things you talk about in the book is regaining your, your focus. You know, when all this stuff is going on, um, especially dealing with the kids and, and um, dealing with all the bits and pieces of life, you talk about regaining your focus. Why is that an important first step? And what does that mean? Yeah, so I structured the book to start off with the in individual, because we've all heard the adage of how we have to take care of ourselves, put the breathing on mask on ourselves before we can help other people. And the same goes with mindfulness. So if you are trying to incorporate that into your parenting, there's no way to do it unless you've been able to work on it yourself and build awareness with oneself. And so regaining your focus, I am sure you've heard about multitasking, but um, the benefits of it, or maybe not the benefits of it, but I used to be just a, a hardcore multitasker. But what I found, though, is that as I was doing it, I was losing touch with the present moment. It got so bad that when I was back before when I was consulting for a fitness company, I would look upon my day and remember just sort of the general things, but not so much the, the little interactions because I was so busy doing so many things at once. 
So I felt like I was really missing out on what was happening in life. And that was my wake up call. That's sort of what led me to that next step of exploring what this was all about. You know, it, yes, I, I told myself, yes, I'm hanging out with my children, but was I really? Because I couldn't remember what I said to them at that moment because I was also on my phone doing work. And so regaining your focus is about recognizing all those things that you, you do on a daily basis. And it requires sort of a deep dive into yourself and asking yourself these hard questions, but also um, sort of seeing where you're running on autopilot. And there are some things that are totally beneficial for autopilot. And, you know, even our bodies do that without us really realizing what's happening, like our digestive system and all of these things. But there are certain things that we need to do that aren't so much in autopilot so that we can truly be in that moment and experience things with our, in particular in this conversation with our children. I really appreciate this pointing out of multitasking because I tend to get into this idea that I need to multitask to get all my stuff done real quick so then I can meditate. Yes, right. Yes, yes. <laughs> which kind of goes, which kind of goes backwards, I think. Yeah, no, that's true. You know, multitasking, if you think about it, um, when you're doing certain things, if you had just taken a moment to do each thing on its own, it would have taken you a lot shorter of a time versus sort of doing all these different things. You're bouncing from here to bouncing to there, and I'm guilty of it. And then you realize, well, this took me an hour. I could have just sent off that email in a minute versus me sending off the email, but then also juggling this and that. And so that's, you know, that's what I ask people to explore when in that, like that first section of regaining their focus and just seeing like, where are these parts of my life where I'm doing this? Where is it a detriment to myself? And, and how can I just be aware of this at, at all times? And it's really about questioning ourselves constantly. Like that's what mindfulness, that's how I like to share about mindfulness and talk about it because it's this constant evaluation of what you're doing and having this internal conversation with yourself of like, okay, well, why did I do that? Or why did I say that? Or how can I do this better? And it really starts with that awareness that you can then have clarity to figure out, well, do I want to keep doing this? Is this really the best plan of action? And then you're able to respond in more mindful, in a more mindful way with clarity. And when it comes to parenting, one of the things that you say in the book is to look at your parenting wins. Can you tell us a little bit, what, it, what is a parenting win? Yeah, you know, we're always looking, um, I, I mentioned in the book, a negativity bias. And way back when, when we were still hunters and things like that, we, we were programmed to look out for things that could cause us harm. And so we were prone to looking out for negative things because it, our survival was dependent upon it. But in this day and age, that's not necessarily the case, but we're still wired for this bias towards negativity. And this, you know, this goes against us now because now it turns into this inner critic, which I also mentioned in the book about how we're constantly just have this little voice in our head that's critiquing everything that we do outside of parenting and our workspace, everything. And so I mentioned taking a moment to celebrate those parenting wins because we can go through life much on autopilot and not celebrate those moments where, you know, they were, it was a happy experience. Like we were able to, for example, we were able to drop off our kids to school. 
versus um, having someone else do it or something like something little like that, that probably made your heart feel good and definitely made your child feel feel great that you were able to do that. So little things that you take for granted. And, and then, you know, especially during this time of, of COVID and things like that, we've had a chance to really look at things in a different light and see what we were taking for granted, see the things that, you know, that we just assumed were, would always be there, um, experiences that we'd always have. And now we're able to take a step back and reevaluate things and appreciate things better. And so that's what I'm asking people to do when they're being mindful is to look at life from a different perspective, through a different lens of awareness, so that little wins like taking your kids to school can be celebrated and appreciated. I keep picturing when you're saying taking your kids to school, Jim, are you picturing the same thing that I am, that Josephine has seven kids she's taking to school? I don't know if that's accurate <laughs> or not. Like you're saying it's a little thing, seven kids going to school. So, so tell me a little bit. So you've got seven kids. Yes. What what is the age span here? What is it? Can yeah. you explain for our listeners when we keep kind of coming back to that as your point of inspiration yeah. for being mindful? <laughs> what what is that? Yeah, yeah. So my eldest is about to turn. He's turning fifteen next month. Um, I have twelve-year-old boy-girl twins. I have five-year-old boy twins and three-month-old girl twins. Uh, and so the old the school-aged kids are all in three different schools. So you're right in calling me out on that in that I don't get to drop all of them off at the same time. I mean, that would be some major skills, especially in LA, but it doesn't work out that way. Yeah. So, so I'm talking about being happy that I'm able to take one set and just live in that moment. Like for me, it's great because I'm actually able to appreciate it versus feeling like I'm rushed and having to go to all three. So that for me is something that's a win because I got to appreciate that moment. And everyone is different, obviously, um, but just looking at different things through, through that lens of appreciation. I've found that when I, when I journal at times, I actually have a separate journal where I journal about my son and just bits and pieces I don't it's not a huge journal but it's like I remember this story so I want to write it down or something happens during the day and I I want to write it down you know this tender moment happened I find that's a great way for me to remember some of these these wins these things that happen do you recommend journaling do you what are your thoughts on journaling I love that you do that Jim that's so great because we have these moments that pop up in our lives and we want to remember them and then, but they're not like, they're not like these really big moments that you might lock away in your memory. You make a point of locking away in your memory. They're just sort of everyday things. So I love that you journal about that because it's a great way of doing it. You know, my book is a journal. And so I'm a big proponent. Of yes. So you would be a prominent <laughs> journal. What right? am I, I was, saying? Jim, that was a gotcha question. Oh I my goodness. <laughs> I thought that was a lead in. So you're uh, sort of handing that to me. <laughs> yes, definitely. Please continue. Uh, but why is yeah. journaling so important? Yeah. Yeah. So it's for that purpose of, you know, if you found um, let's say you you write things down versus just sort of saying it out loud to a friend or or even just thinking about it. In those three different instances, you get a little bit more out from one versus the other. So from just thinking about it in your head. You get some things, but when you're telling it to a friend or your partner, 
you expound on it a little bit more, right? But then when you, when you journal about it, I find, and what I've heard from other people is that you're kind of doing a brain dump and you're able to get so much more out, especially if you're just free flowing. And a lot of things just come up that you necessarily would not have thought of. At least that has been my experience and my clients' experiences, especially if you leave it sort of open-ended, maybe you have one prompt and you're able to just, and you know that no one else is looking at it. So then you feel free to just let it all out. And I know for some people that it's hard to put pen to paper and it takes a lot of time. So I suggest if that's, that pertains to you, then you can dictate it. Um, we have, you know, on our phone, we can dictate text, we can dictate emails, you can dictate to your notes app. Um, so that's a great hack if you can't really get it down, but, but then you have it there. So it's like as if you were talking out loud. And it's great because then you do have that record when you look back of something happening or you exploring feelings. And so that's why I'm, a, you know, and if you don't do it regularly, just maybe even setting, um, knowing that you do it at the beginning of every month. Even if you do it like that, that's a great way to make sure you sort of capture a moment in time. One of the things I noticed, you know, I, at, when I first uh, got your journal, Josephine, and I was thinking, well, you know, I don't have seven small children. I have an older stepson who's in his 30s. You know, does this apply? And, and what I realized when I started doing some of the exercises was it took me to kind of deepen some of the things that I hadn't thought about in a while you know, with, with older children or who aren't children anymore, although we still call them that, um, the idea of maybe we aren't thinking about that relationship every day because now they're out doing their own thing as well, uh, that there's never a, a stopping point of the inner critic that one might have about parenting just because they've successfully left the nest. So I just kind of wanted to pop that in for any of the people who are listening who think, well, you know, my, my kids are grown, uh, that going into that inquiry can be useful too. Yeah, no, I love that you brought that up. I definitely had people who have older kids who have read it, as well as people who are in sort of that grandparenting season of life. And even if you're not in sort of have grandkids or your kids are just older, I tried to make it pretty general. There were definitely moments in the book where it pertains to little ones. But if you look at it through just sort of questioning and exploring yourself and your relationship with your adult children, you can still gain so much out of it. Because for example, one of them was about empathy. And your older child still needs, it's a completely different version of it than what it would look like if they're five but they still need for you to be able to communicate with them um, when they do reach out in a very open manner that requires you to uh, be mindful, be present, have empathy and, and have kindness to what they're saying. So you're creating a safe space for them, but also letting them feel like they're feeling heard, which is what deep down all of us want. Definitely, definitely. Well said. Well, we will be right back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Discover the power within Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. 
Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Welcome back to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. So, Josephine, you have so many wonderful prompts in this book um, to, to get us going on things. And one of the things that seemed very important to me was watching your child's joy, you know? And, you know, I think we get caught up in the things that have to get done and, and all that stuff. We forget how important that is, you know, that we watch our children have fun, you know, that we take the time to do that. Could you speak to that a little bit? Yes, I'm a victim to that myself. And actually it has become watching my children experience joy and wonder has been one of my like favorite things to do now, especially during quarantine when like the beginning of it, when we were just left at home. So I, now I look upon my children, the different ages too. And when I see a smile pop up on their face or see them enjoying something, I just, that's my cue to just stop and just take, like, just witness what they're doing and seeing them happy as a parent, that just fills me up and fills up my bucket with joy and reminds me, you know what, this is a parenting win. I'm doing something right that they're feeling this way. Whether or not I'm involved in that joy or not, doesn't matter. It's just seeing them experience that brings me happiness and fulfillment as a parent. And oftentimes, as you pointed out, Jim, we are just so used to getting all the things done, checking off all the lists that we have that we lose out on these moments. But if you take them, just have a mental note in your, the back of your mind that whenever you see your child doing something, just to take a pause, just hit that. That will be your cue to hit the pause button. Look at what they're doing, seeing them happy. You don't have to interact with them. Just letting, witnessing what's happening and then moving back on with whatever you were doing. But that will instantly fill you up with gratitude and appreciation. That plays into it uh, for me for emotional awareness, both awareness of their emotions, but also of yours, because, you know, where you're coming from as a parent in that moment is so important. Yes emotional awareness. And that's, it's really key for us to be able to start tuning into how we're feeling, why we're feeling that way, and to be able to then act from that place of clarity. Because when we are able to do that for ourselves, whether or not we realize it, our children, they're constantly watching us. They're seeing how we interact on a daily basis with life and with the challenges that we meet. And whether or not we're vocalizing it, you know, I like to vocalize it, especially to my little ones, like just sort of step-by-step step what I'm doing. Um, whether or not they hear that, they're still witnessing it and they're tucking it away in the back of their mind. And that plays into like one of the earlier questions in the book about, you know, how does this, how does your parenting style, like what part of it is coming from your past? you know, how you were parented as a child, because a lot of it does come back into play. Definitely, definitely. And so by showing our children that we can be aware of our emotions and that it's okay to have a range of emotions, not just the happy ones, that it's okay for them to do the same. And so whenever I am sort of going through something, whether it's happy or sad or frustrating, I remember in the back of my mind, and that's that awareness piece kicking in, that well, this would be so helpful for my kids to, to see and to understand so that they know 
how they can do it and apply it in their own lives. Maybe not now, but definitely later. And how I would have appreciated that same experience when I was little, knowing how to deal with these really big emotions that I didn't think, you know, at the time were appropriate or needed to be heard out loud and that I just needed to internalize. So I've really taken a cue from sort of digging deep with my past and making a concerted effort to change that moving forward for my own kids. And that emotional release, that emotional demonstration, I think is so important to a kid because, you know, a lot of us grow up, especially as a guy, you know, you're not supposed to exhibit certain behaviors. You're not supposed to cry. You're not supposed to, you know, do this or do that. And I think seeing a parent demonstrate that this is okay in response to things, you know, that you're, you're, it's okay to feel these things and to actually see that play out in a person's life. Sarah, you were about to say something and I interrupted you, I think. No, I think I was going to say something similar. And it, and it comes to that idea um, that you talk about as well, Josephine, and, and that many of us are, are no stranger to of progress, not perfection, that, you know, holding our children up to the idea that they have to show their perfect sides to us, mm. I don't think benefits either us or them you know, that, that life is incredibly messy and being able to talk about that mess mm-hmm. and, you know, not, you know, <laughs> I always think the worst words I ever say are, I got this mm-hmm. like the, because something, you know, that something's going to go wrong right after I say that something's going <laughs> to, something's going to go sideways whenever I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got this. I got this. But you, know, you, you, you talk a little bit about, about that, about, um, perfection. Can you, can you, talk about how you <laughs> how you view perfection or the quest for perfection when you've got seven different ages and and all all of this kind of um emotion in your in your home yeah no I love this question because I kind of feel like perfection or the word perfect is almost like a dirty word <laughs> because it's just you know what I don't want it in our household because I just, it holds you up to the standard and it goes back to this idea of setting expectations that may not even be realistic and all of the stress and pressure that comes with it, it's just unnecessary. So, you know, progress, I, I'm constantly telling the, the children, I make a point of never using the word perfect, uh, in our dialogue only because I, draw back from my own experience as a child, as a teenager, as a grown up, and how much that word really, like I attached so much to that word, so much of my actions and the things that I did were to attain this perfection, which, you know, in the end really did not serve me well and caused me so much unnecessary stress and worry. And so I've been really careful about choosing my words around the kids And so that's one of the things that I always tell them, you know, it's okay that it doesn't turn out the way, may not turn out the way you want, but if I see you working hard towards it and I see that you're making effort, then it's all about the progress. And by the way, it's also about the journey because a lot of times I see them and, you know, we all do it. We're all trying to get towards that end goal, whatever it is in our mind that we're trying to achieve. But in the process, we get lost and, well, not necessarily lost, but we lose touch with enjoyment of the process. 
And it really is the process that we're trying to live, right? To be in the present moment and be in the here and now. Because once you get to that goal, and, and then what? You know, then there's the next, next one. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so that it all sort of it all ties in together. And so I, you know, I try to embody this idea that I'm not perfect. I make it very clear to them. And so if you're looking for the perfect mom, she's not over here, but she's trying and she's working really hard. And that's what I expect from all of you is to try and work hard. Doesn't have to be perfect, doesn't have to be pretty, but we put in our efforts and and that and we enjoy the experience getting there. And that's what counts. We all deal with that inner critic, you know, especially as parents, you know, oh, I should have done this. You know, there are things in my experience with my son which that I look back and I say, oh man, I wish I had handled this in a different way, you know, and how, how do you deal with the inner critic? Is it through self-care? Is it through talking back? How do you deal with the, the inner critic when you're in those moments of, of, of that experience? Yeah, it takes a lot of practice and I still have that voice in my head. We always have that little voice on the side of our head, but what I like to do with all the mindfulness exercises and over the years is to cultivate that another voice, another voice that will challenge the inner critic. And so, you know, you'll have that voice telling you, oh, you're, you're not a great parent. That was not the best thing. Then I have trained myself to have that other conversation in my head and the person, that little voice asking, well, who said, well, and why not? Why wasn't that great? And do you remember that you did this? and your child loved it, you know, so it's having this dialogue in your head and it sounds crazy because are you supposed to have voice in your head, but it's just constant self-talk, right? You have to be able to challenge those things that you've grown to, to hear and to allow yourself to hear. And what's happening, the more you do it, you're creating this neural pathway, you're building it up so that it's easier for you to do in the future. It's easier for you to have that voice quickly come back and challenge that other voice so that way you can quickly shift then to a more positive state of mind versus spiraling into that negative state because you feel crappy about what you did. And now as you constantly do it, you built up your ability to instead go towards that positivity and lean into those thoughts of, of like how you were a great parent versus believing the other stuff. And you know, what's, beautiful, and I, I hear this from clients, but also in my own experience, at certain point, you know, if you keep doing it, it ha starts to happen automatically. It's almost like that autopilot that we were talking about. When you do it so often, now, you know, before, like before, I'm very, really open about this. I had an eating disorder in my 30s, and I would always critique myself in the mirror. But, you know, through therapy and all this work that I did, I would always challenge it. And now it gets to the point where I'll look in the mirror, you know, maybe I'm having like, not so great day. And that voice will, will pop up in my head, but immediately then I'll have the other voice say, what are you talking about? You look, you look great. Or you, you've done all of this stuff. And so the end goal is that it doesn't disappear, but you're able to have that challenge come quicker and to not get sucked into that spiral. And one of the things that one of the the prompts that you have in the book that I really like is the the letter to your younger self, which I think talks a, you know, speaks to this a lot, you know, in in that, you know, you you 
you can you can reach that younger self within you. Can you talk about that that uh, idea? Yeah, it's it's a great exercise to like, if you, especially if you're new to journaling, you don't really know what to say. It's a great prompt to help you explore what happened in the past. You know, as a mindfulness and meditation coach, I'm always asking people to be present and not to spend too much time in the past or too much time in the future. But there are certain instances when it's great for you, they're therapeutic and very beneficial to just go back to explore what may be influencing what you do today. And so that letter to yourself is just, it's, it's a way for you to practice that positive self-talk, a way for you to cultivate that positive voice versus that inner critic. Because in that letter, what you're trying to tell yourself is, hey, you know, I've been through all of this stuff. And at the end of it, this is what I've learned. And by the way, as you were going along, as you were going through it, you were really brave. You were really strong for handling all this stuff. And so, you know, let, dear younger self, don't worry about it. You know, here are my key takeaways that I would love for you to remember about yourself. And it's really a way for you to speak to yourself in a positive manner and to remind yourself of your strengths, which can be hard for us to do, uh, just, just saying it out loud. So this is kind of an exercise for you to go about it in a different way. The fight or flight response, you know, when stress comes up, you know, we, we, we automatically go a lot of times to this fight or, or, or flight response. And you talk about reframing that. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Um, I know that, you know, as we examine our experiences, you know, we, we can look at things differently. It happens when we get triggered in a situation. In the past, way back when, it used to be an animal attacking us. But nowadays, it is could be something as simple as an email that we receive that all of a sudden sends us into a spiral of negativity. We get triggered. You'll start to feel it physically because your heart will start racing. You'll start to sweat. You know, your blood pressure is rising. And so you are now in a fight or flight state. And what you can do then to get out of it, there are many mindfulness techniques and meditation techniques that you can apply to move yourself from that state into the rest and digest, which is the opposite, which is that calmer state. And it's called rest and digest is because, you know, when you're, um, you're getting calmer, all the other systems that turned off uh, now get turned back on. Whether you realize it or not, your digestive system, your reproductive system, all of those things get shut off when you're in a fight or flight state, when you're in a very triggered, high stress situation, because your body is trying to prioritize your life. So it prioritizes things that will help keep you alive and you don't need your digestive system. So that's why it's called rest and digest. But so anyway, to help, one of the techniques is to reframe the situation. And, you know, for example, let's say you, I'm drawing upon my own experience <laughs> because we were exposed to COVID. This is why it's a little crazy today. We were exposed to COVID and I could feel myself. I know my, my, I know sort of my physical responses to anxiety and stress. For me, it's having a shorter breath, feeling tightness in my chest, all of those things. I started to feel everyone's energy and allow it to suck me in you know, their worry and everything like that. And in that moment, what I did was I tried to reframe the situation and look at it from a different perspective. So I asked myself, well, what do I know to be true in this situation? And what worry 
can I let go of in this moment until I have actual data, until I have something to actually worry about? Because right now I'm just creating these things in my head and that serves no one. And so those, that would be a way of reframing it. And so you would come upon a situation that you feel very stressed about and you're just asking yourself, you're, again, you're challenging the narrative, the story that is you're telling yourself in your mind um, of the actual situation. And it's just this internal dialogue in your head to help you calm down, first of all, but, and help you realize that what, like, what is worth worrying about right now? What can you let go? What evidence is there versus what, what you can perceive right now and what, what you have right now? Yeah, that's, especially in the time of COVID, that's so important to to understand that. So sometimes, I don't know if you've noticed this at all, but sometimes, especially when they're little, kids have meltdowns. Have you ever noticed that? (laughs) Never. Never experienced that? Not this household. (laughs) No. So how can we remind ourselves to be compassionate and understanding when your kid is having a meltdown? Yeah, I get this question so much whenever I speak to... um, mom's groups. Um, and I feel for them because when you're in the heart of the situation, you're in, you're in that fight or flight stress uh, situation. You're, you're sweating, especially if it's in, your kid decides to do it in public, you're sweating. Which is stressed. always amazing. Always, 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 always at the right time. <laughs> They're smart like that. And so, you know, that's when you're really in a high stress situation. And so I, you know, I start, I do a number of things. One is I need to calm myself down. I need to get in a clearer state of mind so that I can see what's actually happening versus creating a story for myself about like what is actually happening with this child, what they really need versus um, if I can calm down using a breathing strategy immediately, I'll bring myself to that rest and digest state. I can then see clearly like what are they doing and then perhaps have a conversation with them depending on their age of what it is that they need or if they're just so triggered with a like a huge big emotion tantrum then just offering them space and not having it laced with my irritation with my with anger with anything like that just being completely open to being empathetic to them and showing them kindness so that they can feel like I am listening to them and supporting them. And once I found that they are able to feel that and witness that, it goes down a little bit less, right? They really just want your attention. I mean, first and foremost, that's why that tantrum is happening. They are not able to convey what they want. And so they need to grab your attention. So if you're able to do that in a calm way because of the strategies that you're employing, then you can now, hopefully, once they start to calm down, uh, you can now work together collaboratively because you're able to communicate together in a more open way and you're able to infuse in that situation, you know, empathy and kindness and, and really see what the situation is about versus what you're telling yourself it's all about which, you know, it might not be the real story. There might be something else that happened that you weren't aware of. And so, or they could be triggered from something else. So that is, that's kind of a quick way of how I, I sort of approach those situations and coach parents too. And it sounds so 
so easy. I know it really isn't. <laughs> and you I really have, have flashback to... <laughs> in the back of my head. I'm hearing my mother yelling, Sarah, go to your room. <laughs> and I was thinking as you were speaking, how, how parenting has perhaps changed um, yeah. in the, in these ways of, of offering space for children to have those emotions rather than banishing them for having them. Right. Yes. Yeah. No, I see it in different, it comes out in different ways with the various um, ages of the kids and their ability to communicate. And I always have to have, you just always have to have that in the back of your mind that, you know, they're trying to say something to me. They might not be able to get it out. They might not have the words for it. They might not even know what's happening. So I just need to be this space for them. And so that's just my constant mindful reminder to myself. Well, we only have a few minutes left, um, but I wanted to mention, because this reminds me of, you know, those occasionally you notice a challenging trait that your kid has and uh, you, <laughs> you, what? you, I know, crazy, but uh, you, you've helped me in the idea of shifting your perspective to accept it as a unique quality rather than a problem. You know, just mm -hmm. because we're different doesn't mean you're not valid you know mm -hmm. and so talk to that a little bit if you could just a few minutes here yeah yeah that was definitely that was one of the prompts in the book and you know we all experience every kid is different we all experience things as you mentioned that are challenging for us that for example perhaps you have a child that just talks endlessly just keeps talking at the right at the wrong moments you just have all that noise and you're just trying to get things done and you know in the moment it's irritating I'm not speaking from experience here, <laughs> uh, but so in that moment, it can be hard to, to approach it mindfully, right? But if you're constantly used to this voice in your head that challenges things, and hopefully, you know, you've cultivated and you've practiced, and in this moment that you are experiencing this frustration, you stop yourself and ask, why am I feeling this way? And what is it that is bothering me about what whatever my child characteristic is and can I accept the fact that everyone is different you know and this is all going through your head can I accept the fact that this is all everyone's different and you know this is something that looked in a different situation altogether would be such a, like an attribute for them but right now it's just irritating me but why is it irritating me maybe it shouldn't irritate me and I should just let it just wash over me so these are like literally you just got a sneak peek as to what goes on in my head when I have that child constantly talking to me and I'm not sort of vibing with it. And so that really is, you know, if you take anything from this conversation, hopefully you take a lot, but if you take anything from it is that mindfulness is awareness and it allows you to have this conversation in your head so you can challenge things that happen in your life and perhaps, you know, make some shifts, make some changes um, that will benefit not only yourself, but also your relationship with your child. So if there's one piece of advice, as, as we end the show, if there's one piece of advice or, or one thought that you would have with our listeners uh, ha take away from this conversation, what would that be? Yeah, uh, so I would just try to incorporate one mindful activity in your day. And that doesn't mean that you have to meditate or anything like that. It can be something as simple as asking yourself a question, hopefully a question from my book that you, you know, flipped through and then you saw it and you thought, oh, you know what, 
I never asked myself this. Why do I do this? And it just stays with you for the rest of your day. Or perhaps you're doing it as you're brushing your teeth because I'm all about habit stacking. And so even if it's just a question, it's bonus points if you're able to do a meditation while you're sitting in the carpool lines. But anything that allows you to tune in to yourself and reconnect with who you are so that you can transform and enrich your relationship with your family. And breathing techniques help too. Give me a breathing oh, yes. technique. What's a yeah. good breathing technique technique? I love releasing and letting go. So I'll do like inhale for four seconds and then I'll double the exhale. And I love that one because when I exhale, I feel I just feel relief wash over me. And when you exhale, you kind of go, or when you sigh, you go like this, you go, <sighs> your shoulders drop down and you feel like the weight of the world has just fallen back. And so when you slowly exhale out, you can visualize yourself blowing out everything that just doesn't serve you anymore today that you can just let go of. So that's a good one that I like to use when I'm in traffic. <laughs> and living in LA, I yes, think exactly. that's a lot of the time, Josephine. <laughs> Yes. You know, what was funny is that when you're talking about the person, uh, 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 child chattering a lot, I, I saw Sarah laughing. I think I have a feeling maybe Sarah was one of those ch children that chattered a lot. <laughs> you know, you would think so. I'm one of those adults that chatters a lot. As a, <laughs> as a child, I, I was easily, um, I was easily, would easily become very, very quiet. Mm, and, and not speak because I didn't feel that what I had to say was valid or helpful. So I think my whole family needed copies of Josephine's book. I think we all did the best we could, but it was a long yeah. time ago and we didn't necessarily have these, these skills at that time, Jim. So now I'm loquacious. I love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Josephine, for joining us on Big Universe. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's such a great conversation, Jim and Sarah. I really appreciate the opportunity. For more information on Josephine at Lurie, please go to jayatlurie.com and check out her book, The Mindful Parenting Journal. For more great information about Sarah Bowen, go to spiritual-rebel.com. I've got premium video courses, and I help to create them on my website called youthrivehere.com. Thanks, everybody. I'm Jim Lefter. We'll talk with you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.